0: Welcome, everybody, to Weiss Camera Action. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Weiss, alongside the Duchess of Decatur, Erica J. Weiss.
1: What? Isn't that crazy? Not only did I move cities, I changed names.
0: That's right. We, since the last time we recorded, have gotten married.
1: And I think we've only done one episode when we were engaged.
0: That sounds right. Um, So
1: lots has been happening.
0: Which, which, (laughs) as you can probably understand, is why we haven't been recording.
1: Right. We've been a little busy um, wedding planning.
0: Yeah, but now we're a month into marriage. We are settled in our apartment. We're, you know, loving life together. So we decided to... Start back up Weiss camera action.
1: And honestly, it's about time, and I'm so excited. Like, actually so, so, so happy we're doing this.
0: Well, we could talk about how excited we are all evening, but that wouldn't get the podcast recorded this, of course, is Weiss Camera Action, the show where each and every week on your favorite podcast service, Erica and I review movies slash series of movies. If you like that and you want to be a part of the show, go to patreon.com slash Weiss where $1 a month tier grants you the ability to ask your questions that you want to be aired on the podcast, or you can write in your Darmok reviews, which I forgot to write for this episode, but I'm thinking of right now, and... Uh, like I said, like I've always said, we've never had anyone write in, um, but break that break that streak. Um, and Aaron
1: will be checking the email.
0: I will be checking the email. <laughs> uh, the one dollar tier also gets you Patreon supporters mentioned in the credits, as well as a shout out during the show. Big thanks to our Patreon producers, chronoslinger and Pepe Danger. If you don't have any change to toss our way, that's no big deal. You can catch the show each and every week on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping for you. This is the first episode of the semi-new format where we will be comparing the Harry Potter books to the films. Also, Weisscast will be returning next week with a brand new format and new co-hosts. That's right. I said co-hosts more than one, multiple.
1: Emphasis on the s-
0: Emphasis on the s- <laughs> All right.
1: So yeah, you heard it right. The grand, uh, what do you call it, end of the hiatus for Vice Camera Action is Harry Potter, which is an absolute thrill and delight in my heart.
0: Yes, it's a thrill and delight in my heart as well, and um, after we are done with Harry Potter, which, who knows, it could be more than weekly.
1: Yo! I like that.
0: Because we live together, um, we might get through it pretty quickly. So, after that, we will be going to MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: Which is very exciting in my heart for a whole different reason. Which we'll get to when we get there.
0: (laughs) For now, let's go with some fun facts, huh? Let's do it. Erica, did you know that J.K. Rowling handpicked Robbie Coltrane to play Hagrid, Dame Maggie Smith to play McGonagall, and Alan Rickman to play Snape?
1: I knew two of those, but that's really cool.
0: And yeah, I thought it was very interesting, um, especially because, um, you know, Snape is supposed to be the same age or similar age to Harry's parents who are presumably, you know, in their early 20s when they die. So Snape should be in his early 30s teaching at Hogwarts, right. but he does not look like that in the movie to me.
1: Which, yeah, I don't think he looks like that at all either. And to be fair, neither does Lupin when we get there. You know? hmm I think it's just going to be one of those things.
0: Yeah. Um, some other facts. The scenes in Haggard's hut were filmed on location on a small patch of land in London, not far from Levesden Studios. The hut was demolished when the shoot wrapped up in case fans of the movie swamped it um rosie o'donnell and robin williams were two of the celebrities who had asked for roles in the movie without pay in their case hagrid and molly weasley um i am assuming rosie o'donnell would play hagrid and robin williams (laughs) would play molly weasley um they didn't get these roles of course because rowling wanted a cast strictly from the british isles Let's see. Other fun facts. The Hogwarts motto, Draco dormiens Nunquam
1: Titalandis?
0: Yes, means never <laughs> tickle a sleeping dragon, which is really funny. Um, the actors and actresses would do their actual schoolwork in the movie to make the school setting more real, which is a really cool little touch. That is a cool touch. I think. I mean, the... I I know that Hogwarts is the amalgamation of a bunch of shooting locations and movie magic, but I mean the illusion of doing your homework in an old castle like as an 11-year-old is just the coolest thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of want to go back to the fun fact before last. Yeah. (laughs) Where do we see that motto or where does anyone ever say it? Is it like on the Hogwarts crest, do you think?
0: It must be on the crest.
1: Because be. I've always heard that. For um, all the listeners, I'm a really, really big Harry Potter fan and always have been my whole life. Um, and I've always heard that motto, but I've never seen it in the book. I've never heard it in the movie. I'm just wondering. I, I guess it must be written on the crest. That's my only explanation.
0: I, I can't think of a, another explanation because you are more of the uh, authority on Harry <laughs> Potter than I am. Um, in order to make the Dursley's house even more unpleasant, the set decorator, Stephanie McMillan, deliberately sought out the ugliest furnishings possible. <laughs> um, and I'm going to do one more, actually two more. During the Harry Potter movies, Daniel Radcliffe went through a hundred and sixty pairs of glasses. Now this doesn't say why, but you gotta think like was he breaking them were or, or they just getting smudgy and they couldn't clean him very well? like
1: Okay, so about them being smudgy. What I've heard is that most of his glasses actually didn't have glass in them. Uh If you look closely, you can actually kind of tell they're just empty frames because that way they don't have to worry about a glare while shooting. Um, And I know why he went through so many wands. Apparently he used to like use the wands as like drumsticks and bang Mm, them on things mm -hmm. and they would get scuffed up and they would snap and whatever. I have no idea what he was doing to his glasses to make them break (laughs) (laughs) where he would need 160 pairs. That's really funny.
0: Oh, and the last fun fact is this is the only movie slash book in the series that has a different title in the UK than it does in America. In the UK, it's called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. And in America, it's called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone.
1: And I actually don't know why.
0: I, I don't know why either.
1: Um, I <sighs> I know that the Philosopher's Stone slash Sorcerer's Stone is like a concept that exists outside of Harry Potter. Like, I don't think J.K. Rowling came up with that. So maybe it's just called something different in both countries. I don't know, like the idea of making the elixir of life and whatever is is like a a concept that exists outside of Harry Potter and like actual um practiced what do you call it
0: eternal life
1: no, I forget it's how they it's uh, i'm I'm blanking on it, but like the term that is used for um like a certain branch of magic, I forget what it is it's gonna come to me halfway through the episode and I'll scream it out but yeah, when people actually mm-hmm. tried to practice that as a pseudoscience back in like the fourteen hundreds or whatever it was, they actually tried to make alchemy sorcerer stones. Alchemy, thank you, goodness gracious, yeah, rock and roll.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder if it's one of those things that like uh it is more like you know British folklore that like maybe they'd under they understood philosopher in a different way than we do like when i think of philosopher and philosophy i think of like ayn rand (laughs) yeah oh god (laughs) not ayn rand (laughs) this is not ayn rand cast
1: thank goodness i would not have signed up
0: um let's get let's get to the plot huh let's on the night of november 1st 1981 you know what we just recently passed november 1st
1: we sure did Hmm.
0: makes you think Um, that was almost exactly 40 years ago. Whoa. A little over 40 years ago.
1: That's crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. That means that Harry Potter would be 41 right now.
0: Yep. That's insanity.
1: That is. Okay. Old man
0: Harry. Um... (laughs) Celebrated wizard Albus Dumbledore, played by Richard Harris, and his deputy, Minerva McGonagall, played by Dame Maggie Smith, meet up on Privet Drive in the Surrey Town, Little Winging. and discuss discuss the deaths of James and Lily Potter, whose one-year-old son, Harry. Aw, I didn't know Harry was played by triplets, like baby Harry. That's kind of cute.
1: Oh, wait a second. I thought that the little child's name was Saunders Triplets.
0: No, I think. It,
1: <laughs> That's funny. I, think I it's misunderstood.
0: <laughs> um, they're waiting on Harry to be brought to them by the half giant, their half giant associate, Rubius Hagrid. Spoiler as, alert: that he's a half giant. As portrayed by Robbie <laughs> Coltrane. Sometime later, Haggard arrives with the sleeping infant Harry on a flying motorcycle as the three walk to the front of the lawn of Privet Drive, House Number 4. McGonagall initially objects to Dumbledore leaving Harry with the muggle, non-magical, family that lives there known as the Dursleys as she sees them as the worst sort of muggles after spying on them by day in her animagus form, a silver tabby cat. Dumbledore tells her that the Dursleys are the only living relatives Harry has left since his mother's sister, Petunia, is the only Dursley that had Lily's blood in which ensued the protection of Harry and his family. After Dumbledore places Harry on the doorstep with a letter, he wishes him luck before he, McGonagall, and Hagrid depart. Ten years pass and Harry as portrayed by Daniel Radcliffe, lives as a household servant to the Dursleys who treat him with hostility and tries to be, he tries to be a seemingly ordinary boy. His spoiled cousin, Dudley Dursey, Dursley, as portrayed by Harry Melling, constantly bullies him. After inadvertently causing an accident on a family outing and receiving several unsolicited letters by Owl, the family moves into a two-story hut on an island where midnight strikes, or when midnight strikes, a mysterious stranger breaks into the hut to the horror, horror (laughs) of the Dursleys. The stranger, who turns out to be Hagrid, meets Harry and informs him that he's a wizard. You're a wizard, Harry. So iconic. He gives Harry a cake for his 11th birthday and his acceptance letter to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. When Harry's uncle Vernon tries to prevent him from going, Harry and Hagrid chastise him and Petunia for lying to him all along. After Vernon insults Dumbledore, Hagrid threatens him and Petunia for their actions by cursing Dudley with a pigtail, much to Harry's joy.
1: And by pigtail, we unfortunately do not mean a stylish hairdo for a little child.
0: Although, that would be equally hilarious. <laughs> um, just and...
1: one pigtail.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. By morning, wouldn't that be a ponytail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a little side pony.
1: Unless it was just half of his hair was in a pigtail and the other half was down. Then that's absolutely one pigtail. No, I'm
0: picturing a side pony.
1: Okay. That would be
0: cute. <laughs> um... By morning, Hagrid takes Harry to purchase school supplies from the hidden Wizarding Street Diagon Alley. After Harry purchases his wand, Hagrid surprises him with an owl as a birthday present. They stay in the leaky cauldron where Hagrid tells Harry the reason behind him being famous in the wizarding world. When Harry was still a baby, one of the century's greatest dark wizards, Lord Voldemort, murdered his parents with the infamous killing curse. After his attack on Harry rebounded, leaving only a lightning bolt scar on Harry's forehead and rendering Voldemort powerless, a few weeks later... Oh, you know what? I read that bad. (laughs) I really did.
1: But his attack on Harry rebounded, leaving only a lightning bolt scar on Harry's forehead and rendering Voldemort powerless. Period. A few few weeks weeks later, later.
0: Harry boards the train to Hogwarts (laughs) via concealed platform 9 and 3 quarters. In King's Cross Station. That was good. Thank you. During the journey on the train, Harry meets Ron Weasley, played by Rupert Grint, a boy from a large but poor, pure-blood wizarding family, and Hermione Granger, played by Emma Watson, a witch born to a muggle or non-magical family. Who would both become Harry's lifelong friends. Upon arriving at the school, the first-year students are sorted into four houses. Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. As Slytherin is noted for being the house of darker wizards and witches like Voldemort. Harry begs the magical Sorting Hat not to put him in Slytherin. So, it instead puts him in Gryffindor, which is noted for being a house of braver witches witchers and wizards (laughs) like his parents along with ron and hermione harry notices one professor severus snape played by alan rickman the sinister potions master and the head of slytherin house giving him peculiar looks a lot of s's there you know
1: there sure are
0: Harry begins learning wizardry and discovers more about his past and his parents. At the end of their first week at Hogwarts, Harry and Ron discover that Gringotts, the wizarding bank, was broken into and in the vault that Harry and Hagrid visited had been the subject of the robbery. Harry discovers his talent for riding a broomstick and inadvertently makes Gryffindor's Quidditch team a sport in the wizarding world involving frying flying broomsticks as a seeker while defending another student Neville Longbottom played by Matthew Lewis and from Draco Malfoy played by Tom Felton a Slytherin first year later learning that his father was also on the team one night Harry Ron and Hermione encounter a giant three-headed dog named Fluffy belonging to Hagrid at the Forbidden Corridor on the third floor of the school, the team's keeper Oliver Wood trains Harry and orients him of Quidditch. After charms class with Professor Filt- Flitwick, that one's that's misspelled. It says Filtwick, does it not?
1: It says Flitwick. Oh,
0: on Halloween. Why do they spell Halloween?
1: <laughs> they put a little apostrophe. They put
0: in yeah. They put. <laughs> H-A-L-L-O-W-E apostrophe E-N. Is that like a British spelling?
1: I have no idea. Although I love when (laughs) we end up doing commentary on the way the summary is written.
0: (laughs) Well, so far it's been written just fine. Yeah, it has been. Um, Yeah, after Charms Class with (laughs) Flitwick on Halloween, (laughs) a frightened Quirrell informs everyone that an escaped mountain troll has entered the castle. As the houses are led back to their common rooms, Harry and Ron fight the troll and incapacitate it to save Hermione. At Harry's first Quidditch match, Harry's broom becomes possessed, nearly knocking him off. Hermione sees Snape staring at Harry and mouthing words, making her believe that Snape has caused the broom to misbehave, with a dark curse, hoping to save Harry, Hermione sets Snape's robes on fire, distracting him and others, allowing Harry to survive and make Gryffindor win the match.
1: Can I say really quick? Yes. I think that a lot of people think that Hermione should be in Ravenclaw because of like how she's at the top of the class, she's so smart and everything. But there is no Ravenclaw that would set a professor's robes on fire. That's pure Gryffindor business. Like being like, I know what I can do to solve the issue. Instead of going to tell a teacher. She's like, I think I'll set this man on fire right now. Pure unhinged chaos. Very Gryffindor. Not Ravenclaw at all. There's no logic there. It's hilarious. Anyway.
0: Later, Hagrid (laughs) slips on the trio he slips on the trio a name when confronted <laughs> about his knowledge of Fluffy. Nicholas Flamel. After Christmas, Harry receives an invisibility cloak. Oh, at Christmas. Not after Christmas. Still, invisibility cloak. Pretty cool. Once belonging to his father, which renders it its wearer invisible. Harry uses it to explore the restricted section in the library to research information on Nicholas Nicola, Flamel, but finds a screaming book. Harry discovers a magical mirror, which shows him a vision of his deceased parents. Dumbledore encounters Harry looking at the mirror and tells him that it is the mirror of Erised. Erised?
1: I always said Erisid.
0: Erisid, which shows a desire of one's heart and how it could not Help much when people wasted their lives after being driven mad by it. He then moves the mirror and advises Harry against searching for it again. When term resumes, the trio assume that someone is trying to get past the dog. Eventually, Harry learns that Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone, or Sorcerer's Stone if you're American, which you probably are if you are listening to this podcast. <laughs> Which produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. Hagrid, Hermione... Hagrid and Hermione... Wait. Hagrid,
1: Hermione discovers that the dog, uh, Wait. Huh? Uh... uh <laughs> I think it's trying to say, Hermione discovers that...
0: The dog is guarding the stone itself. Harry concludes that Snape is trying to obtain the stone. This is uh, getting to be a pretty entertaining (laughs) run-through. That night, the trio visit Hagrid's hut to get more information. They're going to interrogate him. They're like, where were you on the first light of the fifth day?
1: That's exactly what they do, actually.
0: Yeah, they just are, you know, kind of interrogating him, you know, doing little torture tactics.
1: Oh.
0: Um... Um, 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 um. There they
1: discover a dragon egg which hatches a Norwegian Ridgeback dragon that Hagrid names Norbert.
0: The three convince Hagrid to let Norbert go to live with other dragons of his kind in Romania, but are caught by Draco on their way back to the common room. They are confronted by McGonagall, who takes them and Draco to transfigure... To the Transfiguration classroom, after McGonagall reprimands them for their actions, the four are given detention with Hagrid in the Forbidden Forest. Which, okay, if you are McGonagall, you are serving the punishment for these students, and you're pretty sure that they're coming from Hagrid's hut, Why would you give them detention with their friend?
1: Also, not just (laughs) that, they literally got detention for being out late at night with Hagrid. And their detention is going out late at night with Hagrid.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like their treat.
0: (laughs) Really giving them what they want. Um, McGonagall, you should maybe go... To get your like administration certification or right, something like, like how that, can you write like write
1: lines or something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, de- just regular detention, man. Like
1: I don't even know what regular detention is. Just, is it writing lines?
0: The the one time I got detention, it was BS. Um, but all we did was sit there. Oh. And like, I don't think we could even do homework. We could do nothing. It was like timeout.
1: Time
0: out, golly, time out for teenagers. That's crazy. Um, let's see. Let's see. At the forest, as everyone splits up to find a dead unicorn, Harry and Draco encounter a hooded figure Figure drinking a unicorn's blood for its healing properties. When Draco flee, or while Draco flees in fear with Fang in tow, the hooded figure, Fang. Th- th- You might have not watched or read Harry Potter. Um, Fang is Hagrid's large dog, Um, which so far this, this summary has failed to mention. So there you go. In context, Draco flees with Hagrid's dog Fang.
1: And Draco thinks he's safe because Fang is a huge dog, but the reality is that Fang is like scared of everything. It's kind of his little quirk.
0: Right, he's he, he's like Scooby Doo.
1: <laughs> yeah, except he doesn't talk.
0: Ruby, <laughs> Maybe we'll do Scooby Doo in review one Yo, day. Should we? The hooded figure. You know, I. Uh, you'll never guess what I found out the other day about Scooby Doo. Here, here's this one's free.
1: Hit me with it.
0: The director slash writer of Guardians of the Galaxy wrote the live-action Scooby-Doo movie.
1: That's funny. Although both movies are extremely action-packed and captivating, so I do understand.
0: Also, fun fact, I've never seen the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Okay,
1: well then we're going to change that. We're absolutely doing Scooby-Doo in review.
0: I'm just such a fan of the old, old TV show. Like, you know, the one from the 60s? Yeah. Maybe early 70s. Just love that show so much. It's on HBO Max. We need to watch it.
1: I agree with that. And also don't... Okay, so love the TV show. Absolutely. Like, I'm not trying to stop you from loving the TV show. But when you do watch the live action movie someday, don't go into it wanting the TV show.
0: Right. Don't
1: even think about the TV show. Just expect it to be stupid early 2000s nonsense and you'll love it
0: is this a tv show that we should watch like after whole 30 a few drinks in
1: the show or the movie the movie sorry yeah yeah yeah, absolutely
0: so it's like a wings and pizza and, and beer kind of night
1: i think that would actually be the perfect setting yeah all right sweet. yeah for sure we can invite some friends you get a great. scooby
0: snack um where was i
1: with Fang and toe, the hooded figure then attempts to attack Harry, only to be scared off by an arriving centaur named Ferenz, a close friend of Hagrid's.
0: Harry concludes that the hooded figure was a weakened Voldemort, and that Snape is trying to get the stone to restore Voldemort to full strength. After hearing from Hagrid that the dog will fall asleep if played music, and that he reveal- he revealed this to a man in a local pub, Harry, Ron, and Hermione conclude that Snape was the man in the pub and attempt to warn Dumbledore.
1: Okay, so when we're talking about this dog, we're not talking about Fang anymore. (laughs) Yeah, this is poor writing. This is is fluffy. Yeah, this is very well said. Couldn't have said it better myself.
0: Um...
1: Upon learning that he is There's a, a way, way on business. business,
0: the trio conclude that Snape will attempt to steal the stone that night and resolve to find the stone before Snape does. The trio, after, by, after bypassing Fluffy, <laughs> face a series of obstacles, surviving a deadly plant, flying past hundreds of flying keys, and winning a violent life-size chess match. Wait. The single best part of possibly any Harry Potter movie slash book. I think it's just in the movie though. Um, Comes during the wizard chess match. And it is when Ron realizes that he has to sacrifice himself so that Harry and Hermione can go on. And he's telling this to Harry as he's uh, right before he's about to do it. And Harry realizes what Ron's about to do. And Ron's like, do you want to see Snape steal the stone? No, you've got to go on Harry. Not me, not Hermione, you. And by golly, if that's not one of the best parts of the entire movies, like of the whole series of movies, Am I right?
1: You're absolutely right. 100%. I mean,
0: it's it's got to be like top five, maybe top three lines.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like most of the movies have like this very magical kind of like almost breathtaking moment towards the end. And for me, Sorcerer Stone, that's that moment.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, not me. Not Hermione. You. Yeah. There.
1: Are you going to tell them? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with this the whole
0: time. I really wanted to. Um,
1: maybe we can tell them as a little treat. Maybe
0: that. as a treat. The trio use their skills to overcome the obstacle. Oh. Whoops. Uh, I, I could have read ahead more. Uh, Hermione uses her knowledge of spells to get past the plant devil's snare. Harry uses his skills scales, as a seeker to get past the keys. You catch the one that unlocks the door, and Ron uses his skills at chess to win the chess match. However, Ron is nearly killed in the chess match, and Hermione stays with him as Harry goes on ahead alone. Bum bum bum. In the final room, okay, I love how it words this because it's very accurate. In the final room, it's it. it it very is very reminiscent of like a video game, you know? Um, I never played the, uh, I played Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets on PC way, way back, but I never played, um, sorcerers slash Philosopher's stone. Um, I'm actually very interested because, um, of a little meme called PS one Hagrid, um, which <laughs> I will show you later. Please do. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I've never played them, but I, f- I just feel like this movie in particular lends itself very well to a video game.
1: So, Nathan, my older brother, he did have this video game on PC, and I guess like on a little CD-ROM, I don't know if that's what you'd call it, but I loved watching him play. I did not like playing computer games, but I loved watching Nathan play computer games all the time. And I loved, yeah, like, this part was really fun to watch him play because he was not very good at it for a long time, and finally he, like, beat the game and he got past it. Um, But, yeah, it very much was like he walked into the final room in the game and had to do all these fancy things. And, yeah, just to confirm that you were absolutely right, this does lend itself very well to a game.
0: In the final room, Harry finds out that it was not Snape who wanted the stone, but... Defense against the dark arts teacher, Professor Quero. Quero reveals that he let the trolls in, tried to kill Harry in Quidditch match, and that Snape has been protecting Harry all along.
1: What? What? Snape protect Harry all along? What? (laughs) What? Are you doing the what for Mario Party?
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, while trying to stop Quirrell. Then Professor Quirrell forces Harry to look in the mirror of Erised. Due to an enchantment placed by Dumbledore, Harry finds the stone in his pocket after looking in the mirror. And, you know, that's not really made clear in the movie, like, why Harry gets the stone.
1: When when Harry I mean, asks, kind of is. Harry but asks Dumbledore, and Dumbledore is like, oh, I just thought of it you know if you look in the mirror and you only want to get the stone to protect it it will land in your pocket Mm -hmm. but if you look at the stone and you want to use it so you can have the elixir of life you'll only see yourself drinking the elixir of life you won't get the stone in your pocket but i don't know how dumbledore did that
0: i mean he's the best wizard in the world (laughs) yeah i guess um
1: magic explains really anything but
0: i don't know i just i never really got the sense that he enchanted it me
1: neither um, yeah i didn't either
0: I just kind of thought that, I mean, it makes sense, because, like, what, he's, like, all the house uh, heads mm-hmm. had protection right? plus Hagrid. Right. They all had a, a layer of protection. hmm So, and then, you know, you gotta think that Dumbledore would have a layer of protection, too, so.
1: No, that makes sense, yeah.
0: But, yeah, um... Yeah, that, that's just putting some, shining some light on a thing that I didn't, I never really thought too hard about either, but...
1: Yeah, that's not something like one of those like glaring plot holes I see in the book, mm-hmm. book or movie or anything, but I have always kind of wondered, like, wait, it got in his pocket because why?
0: <laughs> yeah. After trying to get Harry to answer what he has seen in the mirror, Quirrell removes his turban and reveals a weakened Voldemort to be living on the back of his head, which is just... Bonkers. Yeah. Um, like, all right, I have so many questions about that. One, where does the blood that Voldemort drinks go? Two, like, why, why wouldn't anyone be able to hear Voldemort's breathing? Two, uh, so, does he share, does he share all organs with Quirrell? um, yeah, you had a.
1: Yeah, well, I always wondered was, when Harry and Draco are in the forest and they see the hooded figure leaning over to like drink the unicorn blood, is it like the, I don't want to call it a ghost. It's really not a ghost, but like the, kind of like a misty spirit with just a face of Voldemort drinking it. Cause like we know that Voldemort has the power to have a face because he has a face on Quirrell, right? So like, was it just. Voldemort himself like floating around drinking unicorn blood or was it literally Quirrell bent over backwards (laughs) allowing Voldemort to drink the blood? Do you have a theory on this? Cause I, Mm. I can't figure that out. I feel like it might've been Quirrell bent over backwards, but I also feel like maybe it wasn't.
0: Well, I'm thinking that if Voldemort was in possession, like, if he was in control of the body at that time perhaps maybe magically he could turn Quirrell's head around oh. for those hunting trips when he needed to feed right um
1: or maybe because they were sharing a body Quirrell could just drink it and it would fuel both of them
0: that's the other explanation that that's prob that's more probable in like I, not that, not that this would ever happen in real life, but I mean, if it were to be more quote unquote realistic, I think that's the way that it would happen. Yeah. But I mean, it's not like Harry Potter's grounded in realism.
1: Right, right, right. (laughs) Um. Where are we? Harry tries to escape, but Quirrell starts a fire by clicking his fingers to prevent his escape.
0: Voldemort tries to convince Harry to give him the stone by pledging to bring his parents back from the dead but Harry refuses. Quirrell then tries to kill him but Harry's touch prevents him from hurting him to pre- prevents Quirrell from hurting him and causes Quirrell to turn to dust and die. Sorry, I had to do some editing on the fly there because they were really playing the pronoun game right there. Hey, When Harry gets up, Voldemort's spirit forms and passes through Harry, knocking him unconscious before fleeing. Harry wakes up at the school's hospital wing. Professor Professor Dumbledore explains that the stone has been destroyed and that Hermione and Ron are safe. Quirrell burned at Harry's touch because when Harry's mother died to save him, her death gave Harry a love-based protection against Voldemort. Harry soon exits the hospital wing and is reunited with Ron and Hermione, with Ron once again brought back to consciousness. During the the end-of-the-year feast, Gryffindor has 312 house points, Hufflepuff 352, Ravenclaw 426, and Slytherin 472. The Gryffindors are upset, but then Dumbledore interrupts and announces that recent events must be taken into account and has a few last minute points to award first 50 points to Hermione for cool use of intellect while others were in peril. 50 points to Ron for the best played game of chess that Hogwarts had ever seen or had seen for many years, 60 points to Harry for pure nerve and outstanding courage and 10 points to Neville for the bravery of standing up to his friends. These last minute points win Gryffindor, the house cup, and all the Gryffindors celebrate their victory before Harry and the rest of the students leave for summer. Harry realizes that while every other student is going home, Hogwarts is truly home. Aww. All right. So, Erica, what do we... What, what do we think about this? What do we think about this movie, this book?
1: Okay, so... I think that this... This movie, to me, is really cool because I think it's very versatile. And it's a movie that I want to watch on a lot of different occasions. Like, there's, like, a very brief Halloween scene. It's Halloween the night that the troll breaks in. um, Or that Quirrell lets it in, whatever. So sometimes I watch it and I feel like it's a Halloween movie. There's also, like, the kind of spooky element to it. Like, the kiddie, spooky element. Which I think makes it kind of fun and Halloween-y in a different way. There's also a really sweet Christmas scene when... Um, Harry gets presents for the first time in his life and he gets to actually enjoy Christmas with loved ones and not just alone at the Dursleys' house and he gets the invisibility cloak, he finds Samir, Rivera and all that. So I also think of this almost as a Christmas movie in a way which I know is such a stretch but in my heart it kind of is. Um, and overall I think it just has such a nostalgic um, kind of factor to it that really doesn't wear out. I've seen this movie way too many times to count, probably from the time I was like 5 until now as a 20-something and I just think it's such a it's a really a movie that holds up and Aaron and I are rereading the series right now too as audiobooks. And it's just one of those books where you still can get goosebumps reading it even though you've read it 10 plus times in your life. So That's kind of my overall review of it. I think it's absolutely fantastic and such a great intro to a series. You know, it's one of those where you know nothing is left resolved at the end. Snape is still an ambiguous character. Voldemort's still out there. Harry is still young and still has six more years of Hogwarts left to go. So as a reader, you're really left wanting more. But it's also a very satisfying story as well. So, I mean, that's really what I can say about it. I just think it's fantastic.
0: I also think it's fantastic. And um, I think it's a very good introduction to this world and these characters. Um, I think that it's it's very good in a self-contained sense. Like, I think if... If Rowling had not seen the success initially that she saw with this book and this movie, that it would be a very satisfying, self-contained story. Um, and, I mean, the, I think that's why it was like one of the... or It, it was such a perfect ending for it, because it, it was one of those things where it could be self-contained, but it also left room for other stories. Definitely
1: left their readers
0: wanting more. Um, and I think that if it had been done any other way than it would have been um, maybe not quite so perfect an introduction, but I mean, it, it set up the antagonist for the series. It set up our heroes, our protagonists for the series. It introduced us to 80% of the characters that we will fall in love with for the series in this one book. Um,
1: even Sirius Black is mentioned in the book in chapter 1 very fleetingly, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool. Like we're not introduced to him as a character or anything, but they mention his name in chapter 1. Crazy.
0: Right. Like right. we're introduced to so many people and themes and tropes of this world um all in this one story um which is just really cool to me. Um speaking of this story, I kind of want to go into Book versus movie. Um, So, obviously, this was was a book before it was a movie. And um, just, you know, being of the generation I am, I grew up with these movies. Um, I was, like, seven years old when the first movie came out. And then, actually, I was a senior in high school when the last movie came out. So it was like, I really grew up with these films and, um, was very similar age from a certain point. Um, but yeah, uh, Erica, give us some things like some, some scenes that might've been omitted from the movie or that you'd wish that this character was in or whatever.
1: Yeah. I feel like the most, Glaring thing that's missing from the movie that was in the book would be Peeves. Mm-hmm. I think that Peeves. Okay, so for anyone who hasn't read the books, Peeves is um, a poltergeist. He's not even fully a ghost. He's just kind of like a being that exists <laughs> in the in Hogwarts. And he's like a mischievous poltergeist. He's not evil and mean. He's just really into pulling pranks, getting the students into trouble um kind of messing with the professors sometimes and um you know just being goofy and loud and causing mischief. Um and he's very much loved in the books. Like no one really likes him. Like none of the characters really like him, but I think that he's the perfect level of annoying to where he can be dislikable to the characters but likable to the reader. Um, and he's not in the movies, and I don't think that's detrimental to the movies at all. Like, if you have to omit a character I understand of being peeves, he doesn't really add anything plot-wise. He just is kind of there and goofy and, like, entertaining. Um, but that's, I think, the most glaring thing, is, is peeves.
0: I think one of the more glaring omissions for me is kind of how they got rid of Norbert. Um, yeah. In in the book, it goes into, you know, Ron contacts his brother Charlie, who's training dragons in Romania. And Charlie sends a couple of his friends um, to Hogwarts to pick up Norbert. And, you know, they, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they like, they, like kind of get away with it, you know. Um, but, I mean, you don't really see that in the movie.
1: And that's also the point in the book where they get caught out of bed and get detention. Yeah. Is they had just gotten Norbert all the way up to the tallest tower of the castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie's friends come get Norbert. And then as they're walking back down to their dormitory, that's when they get caught out of bed.
0: Right. And in the movie, it seems like or in the movie they get caught walking back from Hagrid's hut. Right. And in the book, they're just wandering the castle, which,
1: if, which is kind of a, I would even call it almost a mistake of the movie. I don't mm-hmm. think they would have gotten fifty points from Gryffindor each mm-hmm. for hanging out with an adult someone who works at the school mm-hmm. a little bit after hours. I think they'd be like more so Hagrid would get in trouble really. Right. Like you can't be hanging out with the kids at midnight. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> also creepy. Like yeah. We we can we can get into the the ethics of someone Hagrid's age having friends who are eleven later, but um, this is not
1: that podcast.
0: Pedcast.
1: <gasps> <gasps> no! <laughs> I, <laughs> I dislike that strongly.
0: I'm sorry. I had to. Um,
1: I, I mean, it was clever.
0: But, no, yeah, I think those are probably the most glaring omissions. Um,
1: A couple things from uh the setup of like how they were protecting the stone was also omitted, right? So like, we have all the heads of houses who all came up with their things, right? So uh, the um, killing plant, the devil's snare, that's what it's called, that was set by the Hufflepuff head of house, Professor Sprout, and then the keys were charmed by Flitwick, head of house of Hufflepuff. <laughs> no, of Ravenclaw, I mean. And then the chessboard is transfigured by McGonagall, head of... Gryffindor, But we don't have anything from Snape Mm -hmm. in the movie. But in the book, we did. In the book, there was, like, these potions that they had to drink and Mm -hmm. whatever. And he was the potions master and head of Slytherin house. So, that was also something that was missing. I feel like there was another thing down there. I can't think of what it was that would have been missing from the movie. I mean,
0: I don't know if it would have been missing, but I mean... We, we said that Dumbledore's thing was the the ch- enchantment on the mirror itself yeah and of course Haggard helped out by lending fluffy right
1: anyway so just lots of layers
0: yeah um, now in my eyes and, and we'll, we'll get this to when we um, rate the movie and rate the book um, they're on equal footing for me.
1: The book and the movies. Yes, yeah.
0: I think that it was fantastically adapted, and like I think both are just great introductions to this world. Um, I th- and like I said, we'll we'll get to that. But for right now, let's go. <laughs>
1: doop, boop, What's up, everyone? Welcome to Kudu Badu, the podcast within a podcast where cool dudes talk bad dudes. I am your host, Erica Weiss. I am joined by a fellow cool dude, as always, Aaron. Um, and this week, we are going to be looking at the villains from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And I think that this is going to be a really cool villain list because of the layers of villain. Like, the layers of enemy against Harry is just really cool. So,
0: mm-hmm. Um... For this movie, I, obviously it's Quirrell slash Voldemort. Right. Um, but I mean, for all over the movies, you could you could say that Malfoy's on there. Absolutely. Um, any other ones for this movie?
1: Um, the misdirect is that Snape is the villain. Right. Which I think is really cool. So the whole movie, Snape is acting as the villain. Mm-hmm. From start to finish, we're like, it's Snape, it's Snape, it's Snape. And then it's not until the last, what would you say, 15 minutes of the movie that we realize it's not Snape. So in another way, it feels like Snape is the villain because, you know, we're led to believe the whole time that Snape is the one who let the troll in. Snape is the one who was um, jinxing Harry's broom to make him fall off during Quidditch. And, um, you know, he was going to try to steal the Philosopher's Stone, all these things. So, um it's just cool. I think that Snape is not the villain of the movie, but it's just really cool that for probably the entire movie, for probably two hours worth of the movie, we think it is Snape. And then it turns out to be Quirrell. I just think that's really neat how that's Yeah.
0: Fun. So, are we saying Snape, Quirrell slash Voldemort, and Malfoy?
1: Yeah. Which is so cool. I lo- Okay, I get kind of excited about this. I love that Malfoy is Harry's, like, arch enemy. Like, they are just absolute opposites of each other, can't stand each other. And yet, it, he's not the biggest issue that Harry deals with, but it doesn't prevent Malfoy from being as dislikable as he is. Um... Like, if if Malfoy wasn't there, Harry would have enough on his plate. But Malfoy is there, and he is still, like, as intriguing of an enemy, right? It's just, I don't know. I, you know what? I would maybe say Malfoy is more of an enemy than a villain. He really isn't doing anything bad, you know? <laughs> He's just being a stinker of a kid. Yeah, At but At this I mean, point, later on in the books, he gets worse, obviously.
0: I mean, a lot of times we, we could just replace enemy and villain with antagonist. Like, I mean. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: if the word was antagonist, absolutely. Oh, and I guess the term that we're using is bad dude. Yeah. halfway is a bad dude. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> He's a bad dude. <laughs> Which brings us into our next. Podcast within a podcast, Kudu Dada. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> What's up everyone, welcome to Kudu Dada, the podcast within a podcast where cool dudes talk defense against the dark arts teachers. I am your host Aaron Weiss and I am joined by my fellow cool dude, Erica, as usual. Let's take a look at this week's defense against the dark arts teacher, Professor Cuero. Um, seeing as Al Quirrell's the first Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher that we get to know, um, he is going to be ranked number one. Woo! (laughs) Will he stay there? Who knows?
1: But if we do want to give some commentary on Quirrell being a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher right now, the irony of teaching students how to fight against dark arts while having the darkest wizard of all time attached to your head... Kind of hilarious.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I can only imagine the more upper level classes that he's teaching. Like, you know, he's teaching like any WT level classes Oh yeah, as well. And yeah. so like, he's, he's teaching like how to fight against Voldemort. And all the while, Voldemort's just chilling on the back of his head. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> shut up.
1: Up. Do you think that Quirrell was giving them good advice? Like, do you think he was actually teaching them how to pass the class? Or do you think he was doing Voldemort's bidding and, like, telling them bad things so that well, Voldemort I'm, could get them?
0: I'm sure that he was, I, I'm sure he was doing his best because, like, I mean, otherwise he would have been, you know, fired really quick or sacked. I'm sorry, Sacked. He would have been sacked really quick. So I I I th- I think that Quirrell was probably doing his best. Like we don't we don't really see evidence of like him being a particularly bad teacher. In fact, that's true. I don't think we ever really see or hear of him teaching. Per that's se. very true. We so, never have a
1: scene with Harry in his class. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So, um, yeah. So right now, Professor Quirrell. Is number one and is sure to not hold that spot. <laughs> um, that brings us to our scores. Um, this is gonna be a little bit different than our last scoring system. Uh, we are going to take, we're going to score the movie and score the book. And we're gonna, I guess, have two different lists.
1: Yeah, I think we should.
0: Um, so, Erica, yep. what would you score? the movie harry potter and the sorcerer's stone
1: this is so hard i also if you guys feel like my scores are comically high that's just because i love harry potter that much so don't come at me i'll give my score for this movie a nine
0: wow that is comically high (laughs) um what about the book 9.5
1: I just think okay so just to give everyone a little background about me as a reader I am not a very good reader I did get my degree in English because I really enjoy writing and I really was um trying to improve my reading skills so I decided to get my degree in English although I'm still not the best reader in the world and I haven't read a whole lot of books Harry Potter is the one book or the one book series I can go back to it Read again, 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 again. So if these scores are very, very high for the book, it's because these books are like the books that I go to. I love them so much. Read them all the time. I think they're fantastic. So not that I have to defend myself, (laughs) but I kind of felt like I had to defend myself.
0: (laughs) I'm going to give the movie a Mm -hmm. 7.5. And for all the reasons I've said, I mean, it's very, it's good. It's very good. It's a it, introduction, um, or I would say, an adept introduction to this world and these characters. It's um, is captivating. It's entertaining. Um, I will say, it. I mean, looks wise, it didn't age super well, and it definitely feel like the the book kind of suffers from this too. But it, it feels more kiddie than. Um, other books and movies later in the series. Um, But it still holds up, and I'd say it's very good. So I'm going to give it a 7.5, and when we average ours together, uh, we give the movie an 8.25, which is just a great score.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, The book, you gave a 9.5. I think I'm going to give it a solid 8. Mm -hmm. Um, So... 17 and a half divided by 2. 8.75. 8.75. So, the scores for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone are movie 8.25 and book 8.75. Join us next week or next episode. Could be before next week. Heck yeah. For Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Until then,
1: your wizard Harry. (laughs) Doodles. <laughs>